Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Krita, your host. Very happy to be with you and um, really thrilled to be back here and um, welcome our panel for today. I will start with Lydia because we missed her for um, quite a bit of time as myself. Lydia, welcome back to this Bible study. I'm very grateful to be here again. And Helen, thank you for joining us. It's a delight to be here. Thank you. Brenton, thank you very much for coming along. We always look forward to sharing this Bible study with our listeners, Nick, and it's a privilege to be here. And Ken, it's in a special seat today. Um, he's our facilitator. And um, thank you so much, Ken, for preparing this and uh, being part of this uh, Bible study. Thank you, Nick. Always a pleasure to be here. With no further comments, we like to go straight into the topic for today because uh, find out that towards the end we're running out of time and we want to make the most of it uh, right away. And we'll just probably start with the word of prayer first and then we'll uh, go into the study. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity to talk about your word over the radio. Lord, we are so blessed to put your word forward, and we ask that the people listening will look forward into the amazing book we call the Bible, which you have given us to search out the secrets of heaven. Lord, you have left no stone unturned as you look for the lost sheep of this world. There are still many out there. Some are looking for you, others still not sure about the whole thing. Lord, we pray for everyone who hears this message, that their hearts may be touched by the Holy Spirit, as they listen to these Bible studies in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mm, amen. Amen. Well, today, listeners, it's a pleasure to have you on board again. And today's topic is Waiting on the Advent Hope. Now, maybe many of you do not know the Bible and are wondering, what is this hope we are talking about? So I'm going to ask our panel for them to give their views on what this hope is. So, panel, what are we talking about today with the Advent Hope? I think, um, Ken, one of the things that um, is vitally important is the hope, is the hope of Christ's return. And it's also the hope that this world won't continue in the way that it is, that when the new world comes at Christ's return, it'll be a totally different world, a a world that is full of justice and full of health, which this world is not. Any other comments? Well, I, I agree with what, what Brenton was saying. You know, often you'll hear the term the blessed hope. And uh, I believe that's true. It is a blessed hope because one day very soon Jesus will come to gather his own. You know, he, he suffered, he tasted death on our behalf and he's alive and he lives, you know, and he's coming. And that's a hope for us, you know, when we go through um, temptation, when we go through persecution, whatever we go through, we have this wonderful hope because Jesus lived on this earth, walked on this earth, he died on this earth, but he rose again. And that's an assurance for us that, you know, he rose again and he said, and I'm going to my father. And if I go to my father, I will come again to receive you unto myself. And I just think that's just just a wonderful promise. Ken, that's the core of the gospel. If there's no resurrection, there's no hope. If there's no hope, there's no future. Nick? Also, I'd like to bring this word hope, you know, a little bit from a different uh, point of view. In my opinion, I believe you cannot have hope if you are a passive believer, let's say in this context, when we're talking about spiritually. You need to be active. For example, people are... uh, working hard because they 
they hope to get something out of their work. I would just like to read um, this uh, verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It says something like this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be satisfied, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, because we are hoping to see our Lord Jesus Christ, who will reward us for our labor. Um, also, uh, I would like to say that living the Advent hope is promise and an assurance that our God will not allow evil to continue forever on this earth. And the Bible's great hope is the return of Jesus to bring an end to evil, to heal injustice and create a new world as it was meant to be from the beginning. Built on the resurrection of Jesus, this hope transforms today and gives courage to our service for God and others as we wait for Jesus' return. I'd like to add, if I may, just for a few seconds, Lisa Downs from America wrote these words and I thought it explained a lot. And so if I may share it with you, it's a hope or a promise. She says, like most of us, I hope that one day I will get married. It's a nice dream and I look forward to seeing it fulfilled. There are things that I can do to prepare for this step in life, but a person can only go so far. I can get an education, learn life skills, continue to grow in my walk with the Lord, but other steps in preparation will have to wait till later. But what if I get engaged? I would still be hoping to get married, but there's a difference now. It's a promise. It has been promised to me that I will get married. Now I will buy a dress, make wedding arrangements, maybe look for good deals on kitchen appliances, prepare to move to a new home. Can you see the difference? Before I had only a hope to get married, but when I had a promise that I would get married, everything changed. What about us in our Christian walk? Do we simply hope that Jesus is coming again, or do we have a promise? The Bible says it's a promise. Jesus himself said, I will come again in John 14:3. There's something we can truly put confidence in, but if our belief in Christ does not govern every thought and action, do we really believe it? His words are so powerful that it is impossible to fully embrace this promise without it changing every aspect of our existence. It will change how we live. It will change our perspective and our actions. It will change how we interact with other people. We are called to live this hope, this promise, every day of our lives. That's very good, Helen. Thank you for letting me share. That. It means we have to vision this and we have to involve ourselves into this. Mm. Yes, that, that is so true. Uh, Ken, the hope is op often best seen at a funeral, surprisingly enough. When mm. you go to a funeral of a person who had this hope before they passed away, and those who are attending the funeral have this hope, the funeral is positive. You and I and probably many of our listeners have been to funerals where there has been no hope offered, no hope for those who are mourning the bereaved. None of them have any hope. They only have the here and now, and after that, it's like running into a wall. This hope tells you that what we have here and now is not the end. And there's a glorious future ahead of the person who has passed away, because Jesus will return and raise them to life again. Brenton, that's a, that's a really good uh, message there, because I have, I'm sure like you, been to many funerals where people weren't Christians, and I always think it's so sad because... Although they have died, 
there is going to be a resurrection of everyone and unfortunately those that have not accepted the wonderful free grace of Jesus are going to be in deep trouble and that is so so sad yes. and what you said is very true but let's remember that while hope looks to the future hope transforms the present yes it does I think it's important to remember that's very true mm-hmm. well there we have it our hope is the return of Jesus Christ to this earth to do away with all sin and evil and to remove all those who would not avail themselves of Christ's free gift of everlasting life in a new transformed earth as it was in the beginning before sin entered. God has allowed mankind to do his own thing and go his own way for almost 2,000 years, but time is running out. The signs are all around us. From the beginning of time, men and women and even angels have been asking God, when are you going to stop this mess mankind has created and carry out justice to all who have suffered? So we are going to look at a number of scriptures to see what God's word says about the return of Jesus and as Christians what we should be doing. We will start at Matthew 24, chapter 24, verses 3 to 14, but we are going to split these into two. So let's start at verse 3 to 18, and uh, I believe, Brenton, you're going to read the first section of these. It says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives... The disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Okay, thank you, Brendan. Here we see a number of important things pointed out. The disciples, Jesus' followers, asking him about his return. Panel, why do you think the disciples asked Jesus this question? I think even the disciples that were with Jesus always, they didn't have the vision exactly how was how was Jesus the resurrector, and he they thought that Jesus will come as a as a real king with with pomp and um, like an earthly king, so they didn't see in him the real Jesus and. Uh, I think they didn't have a, a stronger relationship with him to see in him the real Jesus. Helen, you wanted to add yeah, something? Yeah, I, I believe the disciples were a bit like um, a lot of the people that were there in those days. They believed, they didn't know what Jesus' kingdom was really all about. Mm-hmm. And they had this vision in mind that, you know, he was going to take the oppression away, you know, from the Romans. And I, I believe that they wanted to know the exact how can they tell, you know, because they're asking the question, when will it happen and what sign will signal? You know, that's what they were concerned about. But I believe that um, Jesus, you know, in going on there, was trying to, to emphasize them, don't be so concerned about the exact date. 
be more concerned about preparing for it. And and I think we see this today. There are people that want to, to give an exact date and they're, they're ticking a list of all the signs that's happening in the world and Jesus can't come until this happens and that happens and that happens. That's not it at all. We should be more concerned. We should be aware, yes, Jesus has given us the signs, but we should be more concerned about the fact he is coming and he's coming to take us home. Mm-hmm. And whenever that is, that's fine. Yes. That, that's a very good point, Helen, because in the Christendom today, many people will say, forget about when Jesus will come. Don't worry about it. He will come, yeah, because he promised someday. We need to focus on living on this earth, you know, and which is a good thing, you know, concentrating on the grace of God and do whatever we can. But to answer that question, actually, which were uh, put forward, Jesus said in... Um, Chapter 24 of Matthew, from verses 9 to 14. And we live in a very special time when we see with our own eyes what Jesus said in these verses. Yeah, Ken, just a quick one on uh, on verses 3 to 8. In order to understand verses 3 to 8, you also have to read verse 1 and 2, which we didn't do. But the question that was asked was quite simple. Uh, when will these things be and what will be the signs of your coming but before that Christ had made a statement he said see these stones on this temple not one stone is going to be left upon another that isn't going to be thrown down so what they were wanting to know was when is this temple going to be destroyed and also because of the Jewish thinking that the Messiah would appear then he would mysteriously disappear and then he would reappear again and take the throne of Israel they're the uh, the theological thinkings that they were thinking along the lines of and Jesus is saying this is why he said what he said don't let anyone deceive you because many are going to come and make out they're me but you'll know that they're not me and we're going to discuss that further along but he's basically saying my, my first concern for you is as Helen said, not that you know all the signs, but that you not be deceived. Many will come in my name, he says, saying I am Christ and will deceive many. It's no different today. If you have a look today, there are currently, I think, seven people in the 21st century who claim to be Jesus Christ. One of them lives in Queensland. Uh, In the 20th century, there was a heap of people. Just look it up. Google it. Look it up. You'll find that uh, there are numerous people today who claim to be Jesus Christ and people who believe them. That's interesting. Mm. Um, I think one of the other things here about this question is that it wasn't right away, I believe, that all the disciples realized that Jesus was the Son of God. I think for some time they believed he was a prophet. So as such, this information wasn't maybe uh, on their radar to ask, but of course, as time went on, they did begin to realize that, yes, Jesus indeed was the son of the living God, and obviously God had a plan, and Jesus told them the plan uh, after they asked. And I just wanted to touch on that again, that uh, you mentioned, many shall come in my name. Yes. Now, uh, Jesus mentioned this way back over 2,000 years ago, and so obviously shortly after he left or even when he was on the earth people were coming and saying they were the the reincarnation of Jesus or I am Jesus and it's still going on today all over the world but of course as Christians we realize that the Bible makes it very very clear when Jesus comes back what those events will be which we're not looking at today but it's something that no one's going to miss yes so that's that's an interesting thing Um, the other thing is, I just want to look at um, what what signs will be given. 
it says there will be signs given. What signs will we be looking at in the world for the return of Jesus? In this uh, chapter in Matthew 24, if we read down, we can see signs of the end times. They have descriptions of them and also warnings to people. So, um, if we if we, if we go down, we can see false Christs will appear, wars and rumors of wars, protests against other nations, famines, earthquakes, persecutions, and um, people will turn away from faith, betraying one another, uh, wickedness, and so on. Just let's bring this one a little bit together. Why people believe in this so-called Messiah uh, today? Why do they believe in them? Let me just uh, give you a couple of examples, as Brenton just mentioned. Recently, as I was traveling all around in Europe, I um, also shared a message with with people uh, in this regard, and particularly mentioned a few of those names, Brenton, which you referred to from those at least 20 or more uh, so-called Messiah. One of them, for example, it's called uh, Visarion of Siberia. He's an uh, ex-policeman, traffic uh, policeman from Russia, and he has quite a number of people following him. He's doing something which this world is missing out of doing it. For, For example, he will set up in his communities everyone to be equal, everyone to benefit of the full health message and remedies and so on. He will bring something which this society is failing yes. of yeah. offering yes. to this world. Yes. And why people are believing in people such like Visarion. Because or he's meeting their physical he's needs. He's meeting the, their needs. Now, mm-hmm. Jesus said the same thing. You'll come across some bad times as I was referring a bit earlier, but we'll look a bit later to those verses, uh, you know, again from Matthew, uh, when Jesus said, look, people will treat you like this and like that and like that. Now, the deception is when somebody will claim what Jesus said and will put in practical and say, I am the one who will give you, I will give you that thing which you uh, desire for. Interesting story, Nick. I wasn't aware of that, gentlemen. Yeah, Ken, just a quick one. Sure. Uh, Wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, earthquakes. We have social media. We have media today. You turn on the TV set. You uh, tune into your mobile phone. You tune into your app. You can find these things happening every day of the week. I wonder whether we're starting to suffer from, shall we say, um, probably the word I'm thinking of mostly is disaster fatigue. Mm. I wonder whether we're suffering disaster fatigue because we hear it so frequently that you get to a point where you just sort of tune out. Brenton, that's a really interesting point. Remember when I was uh, in Ireland and uh, we had all the trouble there that went on for 30 years, basically we had the news over there every half hour Mm -hmm. and every day there was shootings and bombings or kidnappings or disasters and just after a while it just just appeared as the news came on, oh, well, look, it's, it's just another a day in the world and we really just switched off from it and yet these were real events that's happening and that's a very good point you bring up but um, I'd, I'd like to ask the panel this question we talked about this wars and rumors of wars famines pestilences earthquakes deceit uh, evilness all in the world but these signs are definitely in the world today but have they always been in the world what is the difference about them today from say maybe a hundred years ago 
I believe yeah. one very important part is that they're coming simultaneously. They're coming all at the same time. Yes, we've always had wars, and yes, we've had famines, and yes, we've had earthquakes, but the intensity is greater now, and they are all happening at once. And the frequency also. Yes, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, you're right. Thank you. Nick? And if I could say another thing, there were wars all the time in history, but people wouldn't know about those wars from one end of the, the, the world to the other. If now happens something, um, who knows where, in the next minute you'll find out uh, all over the world. Yes. And that's another thing, because Jesus said, and this is important, Jesus uh, warned his disciples and the believers not to be deceived, not to be trapped by those false uh, messiahs coming saying oh he will be here in the desert or in or who knows where Jesus talk about the universal appearance and we are talking at the same time about the universal information if you like or general information Brenton? Ken just a quick one uh, for those who um, were at meet the presenters program last week we did actually touch on earthquakes in some degree. A little bit of research will reveal that on average today there are 15 earthquakes per year of magnitude 7 or greater. Now that is phenomenal and uh, there is research backing this up. There are people who have studied earthquakes for 30 or 40 years and they say that not only is there a greater frequency, as Ligia said, but the, the intensity is greater. Mm. You're getting magnitude 9 earthquakes and magnitude 8.5 earthquakes. And someone said to me, if a magnitude 6 earthquake strikes, that's bad. But if a magnitude 7 earthquake strikes, that's 10 times worse than a 6. Mm -hmm. And an 8 is 10 times worse than a 7. And a 9 is 10 times worse than an 8. So that gives you some idea of the type of world we're in at the moment. It's mm. it's not just the frequency and what have you, and it's also the length of time it yes. goes for. Duration. I think I mentioned that before. Mm. Um, yeah, because you can have something at, at um, six, and it can be totally disaster because it's gone for a long time. A, you can have something area. at eight or seven or eight, and it just hits with one wallop, and then it stops. You know, and the the um, damage isn't as bad. You know, mm. and. Well, I think I mentioned well, to you, you before. Come from I, an area, yes, don't you? I was Where, in an earthquake, yep. seven point four on the Richter scale, right under our flat, and they said if it had gone for another ten seconds, the roofs would have all collapsed on us as well. So it's not only the frequency, it's and the intensity, it's the length of time that it, it goes on for. And also, uh, whatever I've never heard or or seen before, is that the earth opens up big holes. You know, and everything sinks in. So it it happens so frequent now that it's really scary. And in uh, in, in many in many places on this earth. Coming back to that point, which I was trying to make a little bit earlier, you just imagine you live in a certain part of the world and you experience a bushfire, like here in Australia. Mm -hmm. Now you'll be terrified about that, and you read the Bible, and the Bible will tell you about uh, lots of other things, and you may think. Okay, yes, happened something bad here, uh, but uh, it's not yet there because there are many other things to come. But at the same time, in the, some other parts of the world, the hurricanes uh, do devastating things. In other parts of the world, um, wars and so on and so on. Now we are able to find out at the same time about these things. And when you find out about, the, about these things happening, 
you live in that time. We never live in a time of communication like the, the time we live in. Yeah, that's true. That, that's a good po- point, yeah. Nick. Okay. And uh, there, there's certainly, I know there's a lot of people out there who believe, well, you know, that's why we've, we've raised this point, because there are many people who believe, well, we've always had these things, so what's different? But if you really look into it, I believe something like over 100 years ago, we might have had two or three earthquakes a year. Now we're getting about 20 or 30 a yeah. day. Yeah. So it really is, is yeah. very interesting yeah. when you start and look into these things. I also want to ask the question in uh, the verse here in Matthew. It says, all these signs are the beginning of sorrows. Panel, would you like to expand on the beginning of sorrows? What else we can expand, look at? I think we can look at it that it's like birth pains. Um, and we, we You're as a the pan- only one who can speak as authoritatively we, on We've had this discussion <laughs> at the panel. You know, it's, it's the first of the birth pains, but there's more to come. And it's, you know, the more that comes, the more intense it becomes, doesn't it? Mm. Um, and I'm talking as a, a, a you know, mother and the pain. But at the same token, I would like to stress that even though when the more comes, when that baby is in your arms for the first time, Lydia, it's Lydia wonderful. how do you feel? Oh, yeah. I forgot the pain. You forget the pain. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and this is similar to what's going to happen with the world. Yeah, the the whole world is, is like, if you like, in birth pains. Even the earth is groaning, you know, it's enough. Mm. And, and now it's time for the new birth, if you like. And, and that will happen when Christ comes and it will be a new earth. Yeah. Ken, just a point yeah. on this too before we move on to mm-hmm. 9 to 14. Um, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's talking about events that are also going to take place before the destruction of Jerusalem. They had earthquakes. They had famines. They had false prophets. What he's telling them is, we, I did read it. He said, see that you be not troubled, for these things must happen. But later on, when you get later in the chapter, he says, watch out, be alert. As Nick said, uh, with social media these days, we have the opportunity to be alert. Social media isn't going to save us, but social media can certainly show us what is happening around the place so that we are spiritually alert to Mm. some of the things that are taking place. Brenton, that's a good point. I'd I'd like to (coughs) add to that or emphasise again what you said about be not troubled, Jesus said. Be ye not troubled. That's in other words, what he said. those of us who believe uh, in Jesus, uh, irrespective of the return, we do believe in Jesus. And he says, look, no matter what comes upon this earth, be not troubled. I am with you until the end of the age. So although there are difficult times ahead, and I know there's many Christians all over the world at the moment are having incredibly terrible times, but... The time has come in when Jesus will return and all these people will get a great reward. We're going to continue reading Matthew 24, verses 9 to 14. Read this one for us. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will raise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then 
the end will come. Thank you, Nick, for that. Again, we want to split this up and have a look at it a little more deeply. Here we see that Christians will be afflicted, hated, and killed. Panel, what's your thoughts on this? I mean, my first uh, thought was when I read these verses, I straight away thought of um, living in a time when uh, freedom of speech, democracy, and all those things are so much uplifted. And when I see what happens actually in the world, I don't think so we, we value all of those uh, things. I, I think we are, on the other side, if you, I'm just thinking of that young man who, who was bold enough to stand up for some of his uh, beliefs. And he, was, and he was trashed down, you know, through the social media. I'm, I'm trying to say, if you will stand for God, stand for Jesus, stand for all those principles which are from God, how this world will treat you when so many things happen in this world which is far from the teachings of Jesus Christ? Mm. Yeah, I was just going to say, this is no different to what it's been right down through the ages. Right. You know, if you look into the history books and Fox's Book of Martyrs, is I think I got not through. Pretty I think I got through <laughs> three pages or something and had to not, put it down. But but this is reality. This mm. is reality that Christians down through the ages have been afflicted, have been hated, and have been killed. And you can just look at the the disciples of Jesus, you know, and look at how they finished up. But the beautiful thing is they stood for Jesus right the way through. And even today, there are people in countries that are being tossed out of their homes, beaten up, you know, because the the religion of the country is different. And so they say, you deny Christ, you know, or you get out. And a lot of them are getting out. You know, they're being faithful yes. to God yes, because they have what? They have faith, but they have a hope. The hope. You know, and, and the they will hope. see it through. That's exactly right. And, and, and Jesus said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. Mm-hmm. So, That's yeah, we've we, we nothing to fear for the future, my friends, unless we forget how God has led in the past. Mm-hmm. Ken, just a couple of points that mm-hmm. fit in with your next thought, which I think you're going to talk about, <laughs> and that is this. The persecution... Uh, and the affliction and being hated and all the rest of it comes from two sources. It's bad enough for it to come from the world who don't believe in God, but it's even worse when it comes from fellow Christians Mm. who profess to believe in God. Now, you come from a country where you had internecine strife between Catholics and Protestants Mm. going on for years, Um, but it's going on in other parts of the world as well. And Jesus is saying, guys, have a look at my life. Up until now, where has his persecution come from? The church leaders. Yes, yes. And he's saying you can expect no different. So get used to it, guys, because that's what the future holds. You will Just, be persecuted by both groups, sorry, both those who believe in me and those who don't believe in me. Yeah, I got a little bit excited there because I thought, yes, remember that Satan is behind all of this, but hey, haven't we got a hope that he is yes. going to be finally, completely yeah. done away with yeah. as sin will be and it will never more enter this earth? Yeah. Just a couple of more things uh, from this passage which we just read. First of all, people start to be offended about what you are uh, standing for. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, then because of that, there will be. We talked about false prophets. You know, they will come and say things which are irrelevant to the talks of Jesus. And this is, I believe, very powerful. This will come and deceive many. 
and because of the lawlessness will abound. Now, how many people are still uplifting God's law and God's commandments, which That's God, what it's talking about, you know, God gave it to us to protect us. Mm-hmm. But we are talking about now you are legalist if you are uh, believing in God's law and things like that. I wanted to make it right. Uh, what I'm saying now, we don't believe that we are safe through the law of God, but we practice the law of God because we are saved. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the verse 14 says very nicely, if you know all these things and you see all these things and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as witness to all nations and then the end will come. You see how the word is preached today in countries where you never thought that the word of God will be preached, like China, like uh, many Russia. other Russia, many yeah. other places, because this is the fulfillment of God's promise. Nick, that that's so true, and as Brenton also said, that uh, the many false prophets and deceit, much of that will come from uh, the churches we have yeah. today. And as Helen made a very very important point. Satan is behind all of yes, this. Now another part of this little, little bit strength. about Satan is the fact that he knows he has very little time left, so that's why we're having more problems and more disasters and more things going wrong in the world because Satan is out to do the very the, the most amount of destruction he can before Jesus returns. Ken, isn't it sad that Satan's working so hard? Mm. <laughs> and, yet we, <laughs> and yet we who believe in the blessed hope <laughs> are we working as hard as he is to show people that uh, Jesus is coming soon and that there is hope because um, we often spend time thinking about how hard Satan's working but what about ourselves let's apply the principle to ourselves how and, hard and, are we work? and Brenton just on that one I believe Satan knows and believes that his time is short he goes. Uh, do we Yes. Do we know good, that the time good, is short? Good point. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to look at this one. Um, Iniquity shall abound, and the love of many will fade. What's your thoughts on this verse? I think this is the love of the truth. Right. I don't think this is, uh, although it could apply both ways. If you read it, iniquity shall abound, the love of many will fade. I believe it's the love of the truth that will fade, but in a secondary sense, I also believe it's the, gen, the genuine love that's in families, in society in general. I think most of us realise most of our society these days is dysfunctional. Mm. Mm. Or yes. large portions of it are. Yes. And uh, that often comes about because of a lack of love. That you talk to true. children who've come from broken marriages, broken homes, it's, it's particularly important. So I think it cuts both ways. I think it can refer to the love of the truth because of the delay in Christ's return, our love starts to dim and grow cold. But it can also apply on a family level and also on a societal level as well. I think, mm. Brendan, that's very true. You mm. only have to look at the news today to see some of the terrible things that are happening out there in the world, uh, not only overseas, but here in Adelaide oh. itself. There's yes. so, so many evil deeds. I can only yes. use the word evil. That's mm. the only th- word I can think of. It's true. And obviously these people have not got love, or if they have, uh, they certainly haven't got much of it. So that is certainly happening everywhere. I think you'll find, Ken, that this love, where we see this lawlessness, is mainly because people are lovers of themselves. 
Good you know, point. it's a very selfish love. And, and you know, I think of it and I think, well, you know, if you're going to focus on yourself, you cannot truly love other people. Yeah. And then, of course, you go down the road of sin and sin cools our love for God. Mm-hmm. And we are seeing that in an amazing way today, aren't we? That's we true. really are. Two other points in this before we move on. And this one is endure to the end and being saved. Would you like to expand on endure to the end? Endure what? Or keep what? The persecution and keep your faith. And and it's interesting when it says and be saved. It's not talking about necessarily being saved on this earth. No, but that's true. we will certainly be saved when the Lord comes. Ken, just a quickie. Uh, mm-hmm. Yesterday, my wife and I, for our worship, we read the whole of Second Timothy, which is not a large book, but it's got four chapters. And there was one verse that really hit me between the eyes, which most of us here know and most of our listeners would know. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me, not only me on that day, but to all those who love his appearing. What a wonderful verse. That's a, that's a very good point. And there is, another so promise. there is another promise here in Matthew. Uh, if we read Matthew 18, starting with verse 1 to 8, whatever I found very encouraging is that verse 7 says, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, he will, will he find faith on earth? This is very encouraging because Jesus will come to put an end of all this injustice for, for his chosen ones. Amen to that. That actually brings me to a point where people are crying out now, how long? You know, he said he's coming quickly, how long? We've got to remember that the timing uh, with God is different to our timing for a start. Mm -hmm. I'm encouraged, though, because even the prophet Habakkuk, one of my favorite ones in the Bible, um, he actually challenged God on this very thing, didn't he? And it's interesting to see God's reply. It was virtually, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it it was, you know, there was Habakkuk yelling at, at God, you know. And God didn't say, zap you. He said, Habakkuk, come up the mountain. Look at the big, big picture, and then you will understand. And I think that's the same with us. Don't just sit here saying, how long, how long is this going to go? I mean, we are weary. We are tired of the sin in this world. I agree with you. But it's God's timing, and it could mean that your spouse or your child may be just on the point of making a decision and would be lost Mm. if it was now. Ken, there's another very important point that's just uh, sort of hit me on this issue of how long, how long, how long, and that is this. When you go to a court, and I've been involved in a a court situation, when a sentence is passed on the uh, defendant, there are always people in the court who will say to themselves, I wonder if he really was guilty. Even though the verdict guilty has been brought down, there may be people there. I believe that God in his own timing knows that when he puts an end to this, when he does step in, it will be for the purpose of demonstrating to the whole universe, those who follow him and those who oppose him, that he has been totally just and fair. And that's when God will step in. It's not a case of most people will agree that God has been fair. It will be a case of, I think the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And just uh, just again on uh, on that one, endure. Um, 
to the end, what that means today. You know, you may heard about that saying, almost saved. Almost, yes. Which certainly lost. You know what I mean? We live in a time when the pressure is on, <coughs> and God is telling us, stay strong, endure till the end. Hanging there. Hanging there. Mm. And uh, I can tell you one thing. I mean, uh, just in, in this few, let's say, two, three decades, I can see how the pressure comes on people like never before, yeah. you know? And people are just taking their lives, doing some other things, you know, just cannot yeah. hang on. Mm -hmm. Yes, good point. Ken, just a very quick one on this one. <laughs> we should have read, and we haven't got time now, I know, Ephesians chapter 6, put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand the, the wiles of the devil. What that means in very simple language is God is not just simply asking us to endure. He is saying to endure, but how do we endure? A soldier endures by wearing his body armour all the time so that he's ready for any attack at any time. The only time that we are safe is when we're wearing the full armour of God. He's saying to us, I want you to wear my armour all the way through mm. till you see me face to face. You can see in, in our time on this earth that the, the world, the entire world, it's in a, such a great mess everywhere. And many people are experiencing different kinds of, of uh, hardship. But there is a promise in Luke 18, verse 1. It says, always pray and not give up. Yes. Yeah. Okay, thank okay. you, Lydia. I just want to finish on this particular chapter on one, I think, a really incredibly important verse. And I think perhaps sometimes it's overlooked. And that is, this gospel will be preached to the whole world. Then the end will come. Mm. And I think what's important about this is the end will come when this gospel is preached. Now today, listeners, we have social media virtually everywhere in the world. There's hardly a corner you can't go to in this world, no matter where it is, where people haven't got phones or iPads or some form of communication. And the gospel has been sent through the entire world, through television, radio, written word, word of mouth, every possible way. So we can see that definitely, once this gospel is preached, the end will come, and the end, of course, is the return of Jesus. Yeah. Well, listeners, I hope you can see that the Bible gives us lots of information about the return of Jesus. We as Christians believe that Jesus has risen from the dead and is in heaven at present with God, preparing for his return to this earth. We just want to look at a couple more verses. Uh, Leitch, would you like to read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 17? Can I just add here just a comment from before the gospel preached to the whole world? Let's remember the gospel. Yeah, people say, oh, it's a Bible, and everybody interprets it differently. The whole thing about the Bible is it's the good news about the message of salvation, mm. and that's what's going to go to the whole world. Mm, yeah. Yeah, sorry. And go the ahead. important point there, Ken, is that this is the only sign in Matthew 24 that reveals when Christ will return. Yes. The problem is no one knows exactly when the gospel has gone to all the world. Resurrection of, of Jesus, which is the key element of the Advent hope, because if 
Christ has not been raised, so our faith is futile. It means it means it's it doesn't have any any sense. So it's very important that the resurrection resurrection of Christ is to all of us that we hope for. So Jesus died and was raised up. So this is an example for us and a hope that also we, as, uh, the ones which we, we will believe in him, we will be resurrected. Okay, thank you. We'll just yeah. have to keep moving on. In this yes, we will. Uh, Leach, would you like to also First Corinthians 15, read verses 15 to 24? That's First Corinthians 15 to 24. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes along through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. Thank you. I'd just like to add to this verse uh, in 26, verse 26 here. The last enemy to be put down is death. Now Christ through God has conquered death and so for Christians we too believe that Jesus will live again or does live again and we will live again. And I think we have some comments we'd like to, the panel would like to talk about the subject of death. Yeah, I would like to say in regard to this that the evil that brings death is the same evil that brings in our times suffering, injustice, poverty, and oppression in all their forms. And because Jesus and his victory over death, all of this will one day end, the last enemy to be destroyed in the end is death. So death is going to be destroyed through Jesus' resurrection. And Jesus also... Um, uh, obtain victory over death through his resurrection so it's a it's a big hope for us is the hope of resurrection that is so true and we're very, very fortunate today that there's so much overwhelming evidence in the world and in uh, history and everything that Jesus was a real person and did live again after death has been recorded so many times and that is something that we as Christians all believe we also, I'm, I'm trying to think it's uh, the scripture uh, about death. Ecclesiastes 9, 5 and 6. For the dead know not anything. That's right, yes. Um, In, uh, I know there's many Christian organizations out there today who believe that when you die, you go straight to heaven. But the Bible clearly tells us that when you die, you know nothing 
your body goes back to the ground for where it came from because we're made from the dust of the earth and your spirit returns to the Lord so everyone that dies whether rich or poor famous or not known ends up in the grave until judgment day which will happen when Jesus comes back and while you mention about judgment just let me read the, another a couple of verses from uh, uh, Ecclesiastics and uh, from chapter 12 verse 13 and 14 which says this very wonderful conclusion from uh, the uh, wisdom of uh, Solomon said let us hear the conclusion of whole matter fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all for God will bring every work into judgment including every secret thing whatever good or evil thank you Nick Brenton would you be able to look up for uh, Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 to 20 and to see what this has to say certainly it says and Jesus came and spoke to them that's the disciples saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to obey all things that i have commanded you and lo i am with you always even to the end of the age well going to have a very quick look at some of these words baptism what does baptism actually mean Bible why someone like to give me an answer on that one a commitment with the Lord Jesus you, you made a pact with, with God all right if I go to the right uh, to the roots of the word uh, baptism well uh, all means that you are immersed buried Brilliant. if you like buried yeah. immersed under the water and you come back in a new life newborn as we usually say you know we are a newborn christian you know i mean you, you are committed to god and one another thing for me what baptism means because many people will say look um, yeah i don't want to to do this you know uh, particularly publicly people who like to do it sometimes secretly and how the reason i'm saying that because myself i was baptized secretly during communist time and I was rebaptized just to clarify that thing not not because mattered for me you know because it's a public declaration that you are giving your life to God to Jesus Christ and live a new life in him can just a quick one on this uh, many people today uh, worship on sunday in honor of the resurrection in fact if you ask the average person who goes to church on sunday they will tell you that they're honoring christ in the resurrection baptism is actually the symbol of honoring christ's resurrection because in baptism you have a death when you dipped under the water a burial and a resurrection and paul makes that very clear in romans 6 3 and 4 that the memorial of christ's uh, resurrection death burial and resurrection is being baptized by immersion mm. Helen, Good point. I believe it's an outward sign of an inward change. Yes, yes it is. Inward transformation. Yes, that's a good point. It's uh, it's to show others that you're standing up for Jesus and that you believe in him. And also I'd like to look at this word disciples. I think sometimes many of these things are skipped over and people don't read them or understand them. Discipleship. What does this mean being a disciple of the Lord? 
a follower, a follower of her that you, a follower of him, I should say, that you have committed to be led by Jesus. You give him his all. Give, sorry, you give your all to him, and um, you know you you want to become like him. You want to spend yes. time with him. If you're a true follower, you 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 want to be with him, don't you? Yeah, and you trust him. Nick? Yeah, I was just, uh, yeah, Helen, to just mention in the last words you said, disciple is someone who learns at the feet of the master. Mm. 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 Good way. Mm. That's, that's, that's a good one, way to put it, Nick. And another one, Ken, Acts 4, verse 12. And when they had took to know, when they heard the disciples and saw their boldness, they took note that they had been with Jesus. Excellent, very good. I would like to mention here that after we discuss that we will have hope of uh, Jesus' return, hope of um, Jesus' resurrection, um, there is going to be a judgment hope. All the people will be uh, judged about this, but uh, we have another hope that Jesus will, uh, when he will come in Revelation uh, chapter 21 and 22, we, have, uh, we will have a new heaven and a new earth and God's dwelling is going to be with all men. So this is it's, um, the, the, the big promise and the big hope that we will be one day with him. Mm. Excellent. I'd just like to look at this last one here, and that is, obey everything I have commanded you. Now, what is Jesus talking about here? What has he commanded us to do? It's not just the Ten Commandments. There are more commands than that, but we look on the Decalogue, you know, as a standard. But there are the commands that Jesus has said. For example, the Great Commission was go ye into all the world. It wasn't... It's um, not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. <laughs> no, it was a command, you know, <clears throat> go. And it meaning it's personal, it's you. Yeah. It's it's not by proxy or anything. And there are similar other areas yeah. there as well. But I think if you love, if you truly love Jesus... As, as Nick said before, we don't do these things to be saved. We do it because we are saved. Yes. Correct. And that comes from the love. We're happy to do what he asks us to do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what I was thinking of when it says, obey everything I have commanded you is this. What did Jesus say to his disciples? He said, if anyone wants to come after me, you must give up everything and follow me. So what has he commanded us to do? He's commanded us to put him first in our lives because he cannot accept any other service. And this is true for us as well as for our listeners. He cannot accept any service other than 100%. Yeah. Can't because, serve two masters. Because heaven gave 100% yeah. when they gave Christ. He expects 100% from us. Okay, that's true. Something I'd just <coughs> like to add, that one of the last things Jesus said before... Uh, said to his disciples before he left the world earth he said uh, love one another as I have loved you mm. so apart from keeping the commandments that Jesus has given us we certainly have one here to love one another but he wasn't talking about just the disciples loving no. each other it was loving all mankind uh, everywhere Without That's exception. True. That's true. Nick, do you want to do we, we come, we, yeah, we, We're just coming close to, to, the, to end. the end, and mm. uh, I just uh, want to mention one more time how important it is to live the Advent hope. And people, if there uh, is anybody there who are troubled, you know, who is troubled by uh, anything in this world, you know, the promise is that God is in control no matter what and he wouldn't leave us 
he wouldn't forsake us, but he is promising that will will take care of us. And I encourage people who are going through some difficult time, hardship, to uh, give it to God. And uh, you know, God said, "Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burden." and I will give you rest. These programs are particularly designed for 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 this to encourage each other, yes. to strengthen each other, to understand that you are not alone. We are all facing the same battle, the same thing, yes. and we need to pull together and stick together and hope for that amazing promise of Jesus to come and to take us home. Thank you, Nick. Well, listeners, time has got away from us again, and we need to close. Thank you for tuning in. Leicha, you're going to finish with prayer. Thank you. Oh, Father in heaven, thank you so much for all these promises and for all this hope that you will end up the controversy and the sin and sinners will not be anymore. Thank you so much for your love towards us and for the plan of recreation Mm -hmm. and restoration and the healing of all of us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 Amen.